And so to all who are gathered, happy Easter once again. Uh, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments where we get to hear the very best message that Jesus has risen. Uh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I love to tell you what Easter means. Easter means that God had a plan of salvation, and that plan is complete. Easter means that you are loved overwhelmingly, magnificently, unfathomably loved by a God who didn't just send a son, he sent a hero, he sent a conqueror so that you could know you also have overcome. What Easter means? That Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Amen and amen. But Easter is also significant because it's the greatest victory that you could ever consider. And when I bring up the topic of victory, I wonder what are some of the thoughts that come to your mind? Have you had any personal victories? Now, for some of you, remember perhaps a high school team that went state or won a championship. For some of you, it might be that job you went to college for and you finally landed that dream job. For others of you, it could be a car and you remember getting in and that new car smell or a house. For me, can I bring you back? It has to do with El Paso, Texas. And when I was playing t-ball, there I am. And I heard, and I believe this is true, that we were undefeated that year. Yeah. Now, whether or not they told that to every team, I'm not sure. Whether or not they kept score, I'm not sure. But I do know I was told we were undefeated, and I got a trophy, and it felt really, really good. The only thing about my victory is I don't even remember it. The only reason that I remember this victory is because my mom recently sent me the photo of me and T-Ball. She was going through some old photos and like, here you go. And the reason I bring that up is because of, of something true of all of our victories. It's our first takeaway that the significance of our victories will fade over time. You don't even remember. Uh, consider some of our Chicago teams. We've all had victories with the Sox and the Cubs and the Bears and the Blackhawks. And, and for some of those teams, it seems like a long time ago, right? Or think about what your personal victories were. Maybe it was a car and you've had like five cars since then. That dream job and now you're in like a fifth different position and you don't remember who you worked for. That's the way it is with victory. You know, I consider that when it comes to world news. Do you know Russia has a victory day? It's May 9th. It's coming up. And, and victory day commemorates how World War II ended, and they bring all the tanks uh, through Moscow, and they celebrate. And, and I believe it's probably still planned. But can you imagine how that's faded right now? With the war in Ukraine? With everything going on? Does it even matter? And so I want to make a better plan with you. Today we want to talk about living in victory. And I want to make a plan so that it's not just today we can live in victory, but every day. And by the way, I want to welcome you if you're new, if you're joining us online, if you're kicking the tires of the church. We are just so excited you're here. And most of all, I would just love for you to find how good God is. That he is the answer you have been looking for. But this plan of victory, to live every day that way, it's not going to be about us. It's going to be about Jesus. And so our next fill-in is this. 
that the significance of Jesus' victory, it grows over time. And our goal of living in victory is living in Jesus, living with Jesus each and every day. You know, as I, I consider that, I, I think of um, Ida, Me Ida Marie Dietrich, and some of you members remember that name, Ida Marie Dietrich. Uh, she had called up this past week, and um, she had been homebound uh, for quite a while because uh, her husband took a turn, and, and she turned into a caretaker overnight, uh, a caretaker that couldn't leave her home um, because John needed her. And uh, Ida Marie called because uh, John was called to heaven. And it's interesting how many people I've, I've heard from where they had a loved one called to heaven. I have a pastor friend in Colorado Springs, and his dad, a longtime pastor, called to heaven. Another man who I just esteem in the Lord, his name is Pastor Bill Godfrey, uh, recently uh, called to heaven. And, and he used to help us out in New Lenox as we were doing outreach, as we were doing evangelism. Just a magnificent guy. You might know someone, too, who is dealing with a health circumstance, who during COVID was called to heaven. And let me ask you, does Jesus' victory mean more or less? It means more, doesn't it? To know that for any and all who face death, the words of Paul, that death is swallowed up in victory. It doesn't have the final word. But, but friends, it's not just for those dealing with death. It's those dealing with the painful circumstances, with the gray days of life, that God can bring a new day. That God can bring light in the midst of darkness. That's what I want to consider with you on this Easter. So would you turn with me to God's word? Feel free to open a Bible, your worship folder. Uh, it's going to be on the screen as well. Man, if, if anyone needed victory, it was um, Mary and the disciples. They had just seen their Savior and Messiah die. They had been dumbfounded of how that could have possibly happened, and they needed to turn around. And in John chapter 20, we see that turnaround. We see a victory in spite of all that happened. So feel free to follow along. Uh, here is our reading. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. And as I was thinking about that, by the way, I just want to intervene. I don't really think it was that Mary was giving a bad, over-aggressive hug. I think it's probably more in my mind that Mary wanted to stay in that moment. Mary just wanted Jesus now and forever, and, and what a great desire that is. And, and Jesus just has to say, you know, this is a good moment, but I, I still have work to do, Mary, okay? Um, anyway, go instead and tell my brothers and, and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed him his hands and side. 
And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. These are powerful words we get to consider. Before we move on, could you turn to your neighbor? Could you appease me and just tell him we win? We win? Awesome. I don't know if you've ever met an angel or had angel activity. I like talking about it because we live in a spiritual world. And there is a lot going on beneath the surface. And whenever I talk about it, I've, I've heard stories, usually with cars, um, a car that was stranded on the side of the road, and out of nowhere, a stranger came. The car got back together, and, and then they couldn't even thank the stranger because they left. I remember my grandma telling a story where the car was sliding and about to hit a pole, and she didn't turn the wheel, but something turned that wheel, and she didn't hit the pole. They're angels. I love the passage that reminds us of angels. Um, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against the stone. I remember as a kid thinking about guardian angels, and I wanted to identify with them, so I named my guardian angels. Um, one of them was named Ben after my brother. That was my right-hand guy. That was my, maybe he's still here, I don't know. Um, and the other one was Andrew. I had a friend named Andrew, so, so that was the other angel. So just to identify with angels. Um, but, but have you ever met an angel? Ever think you met an angel? I really love our, our pastor couple. The, the more I get to know Pastor Jeff and Julie, I don't mean to put them on the spot. They might be angels. I'm not sure. I, 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 they could be. I, I encourage you to get to know them. They're, they're incredible. But, but more than that, um, I want to know what would you do and what would you react like if an angel were right in front of you? I think scripture makes clear what was a common reaction. If you read scripture and you, you find people who have met an angel, you know what the common reaction is? An angel's right in front of you? Like, conclusively, that's it. And not only that, but then you duck down and you hide your face and you, like, hope not to die. It's an angel, right? And the reason I bring this up and have you consider what it's like to be an angel or meet an angel is consider with me Mary's response. So, Mary has angels in front of her, and it's the equivalent of seeing Bigfoot. It's the equivalent of seeing a leprechaun, a unicorn, or the whole 85 bears right in front of you, right? <laughs> and instead of pausing and seeing the significance, she's talking to the angels about the body of Jesus like I would talk to a Subway sandwich art artist and give orders for where I want the meat or what I want on it. Consider again the dialogue. Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels. That's incredible. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away. And she said, I don't know where they have put him. She asked about the body. She's not shocked. The reason I bring this up is because isn't it true that grief blinds you from a lot of things? If you are grieving and something fierce... It is sometimes hard to notice all the things that are around you. Consider even what, what crying does. Crying, if, if you have tears in your eyes, it's hard to see very clearly. And yet for Mary, it's not a day of grief. 
if Mary could see clearly, what she has is an incredible victory right before her that she's going to see. In fact, what Mary's story kind of reminded me of is this uh, movie Moneyball. Have you heard of Moneyball? So it was a few years back, it, it shaped, you know, the Oakland A's and then the Boston Red Sox and then the Chicago Cubs, this idea. And at the end of the, the movie, there's this beautiful metaphor about a guy who's hitting a baseball. And, and they're talking about the impact that it was made. And so in the movie, there's the guy who hit the baseball. And as you do whenever you hit the baseball, you can't always see where it landed. You just have to take off. And so that's what the runner does. He takes off. He doesn't know what happened. And while he's running, he trips. He falls down right on his face, totally embarrassed. And so when he gets to first base, he just slides into first base, hoping that he's made it on time, that he's not out. The ball didn't get there. When he gets to first base, something incredible happens. These other players on the opposite team are telling him, get up. And why should he get up? Because he's not out. He hit a home run. Get up. You have all the time you want to trot the bases. It went out of the park. This is not an out. This is a victory. Is that not Mary? Mary is down. Mary has fallen. But she needs to know that she has the right to get up and live in victory. Now for you and I, I know there are reasons that we have fallen down. I get it. This world is irrevocably broken. And we had to deal with COVID. And now we have to deal with inflation at 8.5% and gas prices and chicken prices and all those prices. I don't know why chicken came to mind. <laughs> Thank you, guys. But what I do mean to say with levity is that for as often as you get down, do you know in Christ you get up? Because that's the story of Easter. The story of Easter is our Messiah who, yeah, he got down, but guess what? He got back up. And I'm just here to declare to you a promise from Peter. And Peter, he put it this way. He said, you know what? We might humble ourselves under God's powerful hand, but that's not a forever thing because he's going to lift you up at his appointed time. He's going to make a new day. That weeping, it might last for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. In fact, I was reading from Psalm 90 about a man named Moses. And Moses was reflecting on the end of his life and saying, God, you've always been there for me. You've been the constant. You've been my dwelling place. And in that psalm, he says, Lord, for as many days as you have afflicted us, so, so many days also give us joy. There was this sense that even a believer is entitled to joy in the Lord, joy and victory every day because the Lord is with us and the Lord has overcome. So if you're taking notes, here's our next takeaway. Jesus' victory means hope in grief and the end of grief forever. You can have hope in the midst of whatever you're going through. I consider that when I was watching 60 Minutes and they were doing Ukraine interviews. And I remember this interview with a, a lady who was describing what went on, and she just used one word, which was horror. But that she also confessed her faith in God, that the only reason she is there and safe is because God got her through. She knows God is still there. That's the bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church. 
We had a chance to meet him, and if you follow his feed, every day he's reading through the Psalms. Every day he's sharing hope in Jesus, regardless of the state of things. And that hope is ours too. Regardless of what you brought in this morning. In fact, what struck me about reading the story today is that twice Mary was asked the same question by both the angels and by Jesus. She was asked, why are you crying? And I don't think they were minimizing her pain, and I wouldn't do that either. I'm not saying that whatever you're going through is a light thing or an easy thing. But I still think I have the right to ask the question, why are you crying? Is it over a love that was lost? Because the reality is that if you're in Jesus Christ, earth has nothing we desire, and heaven nothing we desire, and God is the strength of our heart and our portion forever, regardless of those who come in and out of our life, you have unfailing love in Jesus Christ. Is it of possessions that have been lost? Wondering if you're going to have enough? I remind you, you are rich in Christ. I remind you, you have a God who feeds birds and clothes flowers, and he's going to provide for you. Why are you crying? Don't you know that those who get down are going to get back up? I love what Paul wrote. You know, Paul, he put it this way, that we have light and momentary troubles compared to an eternal perspective, compared to what's coming because of Jesus Christ. And do you know someday, someday you're never going to cry again? Why are you crying? There'll be no reason to. I love the prophet Isaiah who said, the sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears from all faces. That's you and I. But the question you might have, and especially if you're new to Christianity, is this. How do I know this is really mine? How do I know I can live in victory? Let me tell you, because just as Jesus called the name Mary, he is calling your name today. He knows your name. He counts the hairs on your head. All of your days were ordained before one of them came to be. By him, he chose your birthday. And you are not here on accident. You're here on purpose. To know that Easter is not just a historical event, about a man named Jesus. Easter is a personal event about your Savior who overcame for you so that you can know, he not only knows your name, he wrote it in the book of life. So you can know you have forgiveness of sins, peace and salvation. He's calling your name today as you're hearing this Easter message so that you will reign with him. Yes, we have victory in Christ. But there's more victory to talk about. And to do this, something that I observed about victory is that you need someone who comes through in the clutch. I don't know if you've been on a team and you need someone who came through in the clutch. I was watching NCAA March Madness. I don't know if any of you did that. And uh, if you're a Tar Heels fan, you kind of gasp because there was the ankle roll that uh, was felt throughout the world. The Tar Heels had the opportunity to come back at the end, but, but their main player had an ankle roll and, and could not get the bucket and they lose to Kansas. Much different than Christian Leitner. In fact, he's immortalized with what's called the shot, as in the last seconds he wins for Duke and their national championships. 
And we know someone who's the king of clutch. If you're around me, you know I like Michael Jordan. Isn't it true we need to be clutched to have victory? And as I transition that thought, think of what the disciples were during Holy Week. Were they clutch? Were they were what Jesus needed when he needed it? When they should have prayed, they fell asleep. When they should have followed, they fled. When they should have confessed, they denied. And Jesus knows all of that and experienced all of that. And as Jesus shows up to his disciples, their first meeting together, think of all the things he could have said. How could you? I can't believe you. Shame on you. But it's not what he says. The first meeting, after all of that, Jesus shows up, and the first words from his mouth are, Peace be with you. And that brings joy to our hearts. Because something you should know about the community of amazing love, we're not perfect people. Those moments where God was looking for obedience, not one of us can say, yeah, always was. Those moments where we could have confessed our faith or had a, a perfect trust in him, no, it hasn't happened. And when God could show up and say, shame on you, and I can't believe you, and how could you, he just shows up and he says, peace be with you. Peace is yours. And so here's what we know about living in victory. It's about Jesus coming through. It's never been about us. And that's not just true of salvation, that's true of life. See, I don't know what area of life you need victory over. Whether it be anxiety or shame or fear or guilt. But it's about Jesus coming through. I love reading about that in the Old Testament. One of the stories that stands in my mind is when the Israelites took over the promised land. They were led by Joshua, and in an incredible way, they took back that land that was supposed to be theirs. And battle after battle, things like this occurred. I love the line after one battle that says, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. Like, how do you fight against the Lord? Good luck. And more of them died from hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. And if you think this was a one-off of the battles for God's people, it's not. When you read about Abraham rescuing his family, when you read about David versus Goliath, when you read about Gideon 300 versus 185,000, you realize quick, Whenever God's people win, it's because God won for them. And that's what I've experienced as pastor. It's been my privilege to see God bring victory to people's life. For those that were in Christ, God bring victory over alcohol addiction, over greed, over lust, over lost relationships. God brings victory because he comes through and he's the power. And that's what you and I need. So you want to live in victory. It's about a life in Jesus. And that's why it's good to celebrate today is Easter, but we invite you to come back next week to live in victory next week. It's why Sundays are good, but every day could be good as you spend just five or ten minutes in the Bible 
and hear of what Jesus has done for you. And if you need a Bible, we love to give them out. They're free here for kids and for everyone. There's victory in Jesus' name. But before we go, I wanted to give you an Easter assignment. And to talk about this, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to play on a major league field. I know some are in hockey and, and some teams have gone to the United Center and played on the ice where the Blackhawks play. Maybe in college you had a chance to, to play at a big stadium. Uh, for me, I had a chance to, to be in the Metrodome. That's no longer existing, by the way. But it was this awesome opportunity um, to, to see if I could be like the majors and, and, and hit a home run just like Kirby Puckett, right? You know, and, and that's what I tried to do, but I, I struck out that night. But anyway, um, but it was a privilege to be there and act like a big shot, right? And maybe you'd feel the same if you were called out in a guaranteed field park and um, Park Bank Great Field Stadium. Anyway, um, or Wrigley, um, you, you'd like, wow, that'd be awesome, right, to be out there. Um, I got good news for you. You're being called up today. See, Jesus, who is the big leaguer who played on the field, is saying, what I just did, that's what you get to do. See, 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 victory in Jesus is not just about living in peace. It's about living with purpose. Because that's important too. Look at these words. He says, just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And, and here's this assignment. It's to share Jesus' victory with someone. See, what you get to do is be a light bringer. And you get to go to work, and you get to find people who are in grief or in transition, and you get to say, I know someone who has light to break that darkness. His name is Jesus. I'd love to talk to you about him. You go to family and pray for them. You get to lift people up and tell them, a new day is coming. Because those that get down, they get back up in the name of Jesus. Now, for some of you, that just might be an assignment for you personally. Maybe you need that victory. Maybe it's about waking up and journaling. A new day is coming. There's victory in Jesus' name. But if you're good with Jesus, make sure someone else is too. Because we know what Easter means. Easter means Jesus' plan is fulfilled. Easter means you're loved. Magnificently, overwhelmingly, unfathomably loved. Easter means that those who get down, they're going to get up. That's what Jesus did. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we all need a sense of victory for the heavy height, for the heavy hearts, for the sad eyes, the crying eyes. Lift them up. You have conquered death and you are over every heavy circumstance of life. Empower us to live in victory as we live life with you, not just today, but every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, church family, we have at this time the opportunity to confess our faith. We need to say together and encourage one another who God is and what he's done for us. Let's continue with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.